You're listening to a podcast from Riverview Church in Bowness, recorded during one of our Sunday gatherings. For more information about Riverview Church, or service times, or contact details, go to riverviewchurch.uk or find us on Facebook at Riverview Bowness. Good morning, everyone. Do you know, I really love history. I like reading it, but I'm much more into watching it. So I love programs on television that um, bring history alive. Such a, a fascinating subject is history because we can learn about these great houses and families who ruled over the common people um, so many years ago. I hear a lot of people saying, I wish I had lived then. No, you don't. You don't because you would have been one of the common people and they didn't have such a good time. But I love hearing about the common people as well because they maybe didn't make any great inroads to the masses, but nevertheless, their lives impacted on their families and on their neighborhoods. So watching something like, who do you think you are? Wow, I just love it. We have um, a lovely lady on our ladies committee for a weekend. Um, her name's Anne McQuarrie, and Anne is from Inverness Christian Fellowship. And although the biggest thing she would say was that she was a member of the Radiant Ladies Group, um, she also is the family historian for um, Highland Council. And I went to the Women's Weekend one time, and she was in the afternoon, on the Saturday afternoon, she op- um, was doing a little session on family histories. And so I sat and listened to her. And then she said, well, let's have a real life thing. Um, Anyone here who knows of someone who lived over 100 years ago? I know somebody who lived over 100 years ago because my grandfather. And so she started to look through her records, um, bringing in all her knowledge. Um, And that was fantastic. But the following year, she came back and she'd done this little bit of research, a little bit more research for me. It's another thing I'm going to do in retirement. Boy, if I do half the things I'm going to do in retirement, it'll be amazing. But you know, as I I looked at what she had done for me, it made me feel very, very emotional. And you know, she was, she she just had gone back to um, the late 1700s. Now, I know I should never have been in any doubt that I come from a family line. But to see the names and the dates and birth and marriage and death dates, I found it absolutely incredible because it suddenly was real. There were real people, real names, real lives, my ancestors. I was so excited. I will get around to find out more. I'm kind of hoping this year she might have gone back a bit further, but I'm not counting on that. Um, You know, Pastor Tom, his sister Jenny, has researched their family going way back and found Jewish roots and Jewish history, and it's exciting. So he should be very aware of how the two books of Chronicles, First and Second Chronicles, were written. Along with the, the books of Samuel and Kings, they record the history of the Jews from the last judge, Samuel, and the establishment of the first king, Saul, to the exile of the Jewish people to Babylon, 
where it all went wrong. And these books are all written from different viewpoints. So we've got um, it's Samuel, um, uh, sorry, we've got the kings and we've got prophets. And then we have Chronicles. And that comes from the priestly viewpoint. It's how Jewish people know where they belong. And so First Chronicles in chapters 1 to 9 are all about living links. Um, but this is, these are all living links to the past. And you know, it was really important that the Jews knew their family history. It was so that they could claim their place in the nation. Really, really important to them. So the book start off with nine long chapters on who's who and their place in the history of the Jewish nation. Now, I have to be absolutely honest with you and tell you that it's very tempting when you come across chapters that are full of who begat who to skim right across them and not really think about this is real people with real lives. These nine chapters contain literally hundreds of names, some unpronounceable, which David will attest to while we read that together, but we're in the New Testament this year, so we're fine. Um, but you know, but, but it was really important because they were what linked the promises and the covenants of God to each Jew. Warren Wearsby, one of my favorite um, people who talks about, the, who writes about scripture says, if there had been a break in this chain of living links, the savior could not have been born into this world. Jesus' lineage, of course, could be traced right back on both Mary and Joseph's sides, right back to Abraham and to Adam. He came to the Jewish nation. He came as a Jew. He came as a child of Abraham. But he came for all people. That was always his intention. I know some Jewish people think it was only for them. But honestly, read scripture. He came for Jew and for Gentiles. And there's all these names And what we have to realize is that God is using every single one of them to accomplish his purposes. Of course, we all know um, people like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joshua, Samuel, David. But without these lesser known people, they wouldn't have been on the scene at all because of that family line. And scattered throughout these genealogies are the names of people who are identified for special purpose and reflecting on them can teach us valuable spiritual lessons. Let me quickly pick up on some of them or all of them in chapters one to nine Um, because it's important that we go back and see what God wants to teach us from their place in these chapters Because as you go through these chapters, they are just list upon list upon list. But some are singled out. And the first we read about is Nimrod. He's in 1 Chronicles 1 and 10. You can read more about him in Genesis 10, 8 to 10. He's known as the hunter, but he's not the hunter of animals. He's the hunter of people. And as we read it, we see that he was quite a rebel who defied God and set up the kingdom of Babylon. He was a mighty warrior, but he didn't always look to God. The second is Er. We should know it from the name that there was going to be trouble, shouldn't we? The second is Er. He's in 1 Chronicles 2, 
If you read um, Genesis 38 for his story, Er, it's quite a story to unpack, but I'm going to leave that one to you. You can have a look. The third is Achar, uh, and he did the opposite to what God had said he should do. He was told not to take any of the plunder, but he was, and, and, but he did, and he was executed for his greed. You can read that story too in Joshua 6 and 7. Then there's Amnon. He violated his half-sister Tamar and was eventually slain by her brother Absalom. He's listed in 1 Chronicles 3 and 1. The sixth, and I'm deliberately missing out number five at the moment, and going on to the sixth. This was Reuben, 1 Chronicles 5 and 1 and 2. How awful that a man's sin should get into the official genealogy. The deeds recorded in Genesis 35 and 22, and then also in Genesis 49, 3 and 4. But you know, his sin lost him his birthright, and his birthright was taken from him and given to Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. You can read it in Genesis 48. And the last one mentioned in 1 Chronicles 1 to 9 is Beriah. He's told us, we're told about him in 1 Chronicles 7, 20 to 23. It's a really sad story and no time to go into it this morning because I want to go back to number five, where a man called Jabez is talked about in an entirely different way. Listen while I read the scripture to you. First Chronicles 4, 9 and 10. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Verse 10, Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Wow, this is a bit different. Here is the fifth of seven men who are commented on by the writer of First Chronicles. Nimrod the rebel, Er the wicked son, Achan the troublemaker, Amnon the unclean, Reuben the uncontrollable, Bariah the unfortunate, but now we have Jabez the undaunted. The thing that makes him stand out is that he knew how to pray. His mother, for some reason, had given him a name which in Hebrew means to grieve or to, or, or to pain. Seems a strange name to give him. When I was born, um, my parents were a bit older, so I, um, they went with the custom of naming each child after another family member, and that was usually grandparents. Some of you will be the same. Um, although nowadays I think you can call children anything, and some are quite, feel quite made up, but that's the way it goes. Okay. Um, well, my grandmothers were both called Mary, and my sister is Mary, although she's always called by her middle name, Heather. I was called after my mum. My twin brothers came along a year later, and they were, call, they were called Thomas, as grandfathers were both Thomas um, and Henry, after my dad, of course. They were always called Tom and Harry. In the days of Jebez, children were named differently. They were called after events surrounding their birth. And poor Jabez 
hardly his fault that his mum had a difficult pregnancy or maybe a difficult birth. But imagine your life, you, you, all your life being called pain or grief. It wouldn't be the best start in life, would it? Well, I want to tell you this morning that your name does not define who you are. Your family roots, your upbringing, good or bad, does not define your character. It does not make you who you are. Being put down by peers and God forbid teachers or anyone else does not mean make you unworthy. Jabez might have had this dreadful name, but we have two verses to show that he rose above it all. His character was worthy of note. It's likely that his brothers taunted and jeered him all his life, but Jabez overcame his name and all the family problems he had. He refused to be labeled. He refused to allow that label to dictate his future. And he did the right thing by turning to the God of Israel in such a way that his prayer is recorded for us to know for all time an example of how to pray. There's an American preacher said once, I think his name's Ed Walker, today you may feel labeled, thinking that your lot in life is defeat and pain, but God has afforded you a way that invites change and victory. These two verses in First Chronicles are filled with a powerful theological punch that can lift you out of your circumstances and place you in the center of God's will for your life. I thought it, it, was, it was worth just repeating what, what he said. You know, it's there. It's, it's theologically right. It doesn't matter what your name is or what your background is. God has a plan and a purpose for you and he can put you right at the center of that. Hallelujah. That's for all of us this morning, no matter the, what baggage we have or, or, or what our background is. If we look just at verse 9 just now, we see that Jabez was a man of integrity. Now, in, t- in schools now, it's very much that we're looking at values. So it was the same here, I found in Wallace Stone as it was when I got to Tabitha in Israel. And one of these values almost always seems to be integrity. Now integrity is a big difficult word but the kids that I've always I'm in contact with would be able to tell you that integrity means doing the right thing even when no one is looking. Getting them to actually live by that was another thing but but we're all kind of in that boat aren't we? But Jabez was definitely a man of integrity. He was able to ask God what he needed because his intentions were honourable. Verse 9 starts off telling us that he was more honourable than his brothers. I wouldn't like to be one of his brothers and see that written down in scripture. But the reason was that he put God before his own desires and so he was able to ask for really big things. If we go into the New Testament, there's a warning for us about asking from God. It's in James 4, verses 2 and 3. You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot do what you want. You quarrel and you fight. 
You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Oh, wow. Not feeling as high now as I did a minute ago. But I have to say, as I looked at it, I realized that we might not do these things physically. I don't think anyone here has actually murdered anybody. Um, you know, but we, we, you know, there are quarrels and there, there are fights. It's not just about what we do physically. It's about character. And this is all about character. Our character does impact on our prayer life. You know what I'm talking about? You know, selfish ambition. Why am I praying for something? Pride. Arrogance. And there's no place in what, they have no place in what we ask for. We need to have a godly character in order to ask for the things God wants to give us. And I've got great news for you. Although you can never do that on your own, God can make changes in your life and God can give you what you need. Jabez was stuck with his name, his label, but it did not define who he was. We've only two verses in the whole of scripture to tell us anything about Jabez's life, but the opening words show the man, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. The labels people give you is not your destiny. It's not, it's what God gives you that counts. Let me say that again. The labels people give you is not your destiny. It's what God gives you that counts. You do not need to stay trapped by circumstances, whether these are things that have been made by yourself or whether it's been made by others. Your label does not need to be permanent. Hallelujah. You can do exactly as Jabez did because the first thing he did was to call out to the God of Israel. Remember, he started it. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from pain, keep me from harm, sorry, so that I will be free from pain. Jabez did not go his own way. He did not rely on his own abilities, his own intellect, his own work. He believed God and he chose to trust him. You know, faith doesn't just come all of a sudden to us. Faith has to be worked at. We have to believe God and trust him completely. It's a biblical principle in action. And it's the only way to get God to answer our prayers. Otherwise, it would be about flesh. It would be, you know, all down to me and what I, what I do myself. I mean, know from experience that that just doesn't work. So, Jabez, what does he ask? He asks for three things. And he does what... I found works really well with children sometimes. If you ask them to do something, they're not too keen to do it. If you say to them, I need you to do something, they're much more likely to do it. So he goes and he says, Lord, I need your blessing. Lord, I need your presence. Lord, I need your protection. It's quite a strange one, isn't it? Because on the surface, it looks like an extremely selfish prayer. Is it right to go to God asking for blessing on your own life? Is that not selfish? Enlarge my borders. Can I ask for that? 
Well, for the Israelites, land had a very important role. It was livelihood. It equated with dignity and purpose. If he didn't have that, he would always live under his label. Pain, grief. And he'd had enough of that. He knew the way to jettison the pain was to have the miracle that only God could do for him. And so he went to the right place. Maybe you know that pain. Sometimes it seems like the whole world is against us. Sometimes we think, this is how it always is. I always get the raw deal. Well, in the New Testament, Jesus makes it very clear that we do not need to stay empty and discouraged. In Matthew 7, 78, he says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. He's giving it in th- He's making sure we know because he's got three different ways of telling us that we can ask, we can seek, we can knock. Selwyn Hughes comments on these verses. He says, it reminds us that God is swift to come to the aid of those who are burdened, either to deliver them from their troubles or to provide the grace that will enable them to transform their pain into a pearl. I, I was so blessed when I read that. Because it's talking about Jabez, the pain. And then, you're not all as fortunate as me, but my name means Pearl. Some of you might have Margaret in a middle name, but, you know. But it really blessed me to think of, of, of that, that we were going from pain into Pearl. David sometimes thinks that's spelled P-E-R-I-L, but it's not. It's P-E-A-R-L. The Christian hope is based on the revealed character of God as a father who loves to give what his children needs. He just loves to give. We don't understand that because when we give, we're hoping for something back, even if it's just a thanks. But he just loves to give because that's who he is. He just loves. Jabez longed for all that God would give him. I believe that he had vision for it, that he had faith for it, and that, he, and that he worked for it. Do you know, we're praying greatly. And it's amazing to stand here this morning and look around a full church. We've prayed for that for so many years. And God is doing mighty things here. But if God is to enlarge our borders, we need to be doing our part, which demands that vision, that faith, and that work. God is still in the business of answering prayers. So let's ask Ask him to do that in the way that we've been doing, but even more so that we were asking for his glory and then we will see God answer. Jabez asked for God's presence. Now, when we read it, it says, let your hand be with me. In biblical terms, the hand of God equates to the power and the presence of God. And Jesus made it clear what needs to happen. In Acts 1 and 8, He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to all the ends of the earth, including Bones and Grangemouth and Falkirk and everywhere in between. 
That's what he wants. When God's power and presence is in our lives, it impacts on everyone around us. In the early church, the phenomenal success known by them could only be attributed to one thing. It's in Acts 11, 21, and the hand of God was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. When we pray, when we ask for God's mighty presence like Jabez in the early church did, we will see the hand of God was with them and a great number who believed turned to the Lord. We believe that for Boness, don't we? And we need to stand on those promises. We'll see tremendous results when, which can only be attributed to the hand of God. And finally, Jabez prayed for protection. He sees the danger of falling into sin. He wanted to stay pure. He knew he needed divine strength and so, so that he could rise above the label so he could stay free from sin. And it's amazing. The God of the universe says, yes, yes. He granted what Jabez asked for. What a man of God we see in these two short verses. What an example of how we go to God, what we ask for, and why we can be confident of the answers when we approach God. Jabez is not your big name in scripture. He's one of the small, almost insignificant men that we could just skim over in, in among all these other people that we're reading about. So when we read passages of scripture like Chronicles, you know, it's so easy to, to, to skim over these people. But Jabez has so much to teach us. Jesus also wants to reassure us this morning. He still says, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's his, it's his invitation to you this morning. No matter the pain that you're carrying, no matter the grief that is there in your life, what holds you back? What enslaves you to fear? What label has been put on your life by others or you've put on your, on your life by yourself? What limitations have you put on you? You know, the amazing thing this morning is that you can be just like Jabez. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain, free from all, everything that that name has put on me. And God granted his request. He's here this morning. This same God. Ask God just now for what you need. No matter what it is. At first sight, Jabez's prayer looks quite selfish. He's talking about himself. But you know, God was delighted to answer. And God will be delighted to answer you as well. So, if you, if, if you want prayer, please come forward and let the prayer team come alongside you. He is more than willing to answer you. You can be 
all that he has planned for you. You have absolutely no idea what God has in mind for you. No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it can be fulfilled. Even although there's all that baggage, bring it to God. He's the one who can answer. Just let him in and be amazed at what he does. Thank you, Lord.